Welcome to another episode of Mom Powers. I'm your host, Colleen Krubel. Today I have with me my friend, Molly Wales. Molly is a mom of two. We have that in common. I have two children as well, and they're not too far apart in ages. And we also have in common that we're single moms. Um, However, I wanted to have Molly here today to talk about um, some things related to her line of work. She's a school nurse. And so, but before we dive into that, mm-hmm. I do want to, um, well, first let's give you the opportunity to introduce <laughs> yourself a little further. Sure. Um, tell us about your family and your, your two girls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right, go ahead. So I have Essie who is um, going, she's in sixth grade, just turned 12, mind blowing. Yes. And Lola is um, a first grader. She will turn seven soon. So I have two little girls and I'm a school nurse and a part-time labor and delivery nurse. Ah, yeah. I didn't realize that yeah. part. Yeah. How interesting. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So you mentioned Lola almost turning seven. Today yeah. is Lisbeth's birthday, my daughter, oh, my oh, younger cool. daughter. So she just turned seven today. Yeah. And uh, Lola and Lisbeth are in the same first grade class. They so, are. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have in common that we're single moms. Mm-hmm. And I've known you for a number of years, kind of from afar. Um, during your days as the director of the birth circle, the Athens birth circle. Yeah. And I should mention to our viewers that today we are filming as we always do in the Women's Center at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. So thank you to the Women's Center. Um, So where was I? Oh, the birth circle. Um, That was a fabulous group. So I knew you from those days, but since then, You've become a single mom Mm -hmm. and you've kind of reinvented yourself professionally. I did. So can we take, I'd like to take a couple minutes to have you talk about that because that's amazing Mm. to me. Yeah, that was hard. (laughs) I bet, I can't even imagine. So So I moved here um, and became pregnant a few months after moving here. Um, And my ex-husband is a local business owner and so I was a, Um, stay-at-home mom for many years and then was the um, director of the Athens birth circle for probably about eight years I don't know exactly Um, but and I loved that work that was a wonderful that's a nonprofit support group for pregnant and new families and it just was it was an amazing time Um, but I did that work and that was very 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 part-time not any sort of something that wasn't sustainable you know, in terms of supporting my family. Um, And before I moved to Athens, I had lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico and uh, edited a food magazine out there. And, you know, so had a bunch of random skills Um, and then moved here. And when I, it became evident that I was going to be getting divorced, I started to think, what can I do in this town Mm -hmm. so that I can pay for my life and support my children and never be dependent on anybody ever again. Yeah, yeah. wow, tall <laughs> yeah, order, yeah, right? Yeah, tall order. Jeez. And Athens is a funny town that way. Yes. You know, either you are associated with the university or, um, you know, teachers at the elementary school and elementary schools and such. But even, so I thought about teaching for a little while and thought, well, but you're not really guaranteed work and I knew that I was not moving that I had to be here this is where my children's dad is and so this is where I will stay Um, and so I was really just trying thinking about what what kind of work what am I going to do and um, decided to go to nursing school which is not something I had ever been led to do earlier in my life and so I think I was 35 when I um Decided to go back to nursing school. I think I was 
36 when I started and originally I thought I would be a midwife because it was sort of aligned with the sure. work I'd been doing with the birth circle and um, women's health had always been a passion of mine anyway. Um, and so I went back to school, I went to Hawking College and I um, went straight through and got my RN degree. Um, or got so, my RN. No, you went straight through, easy peasy, right? <laughs> no, ah, it was yeah. so hard. It so was tell so me hard. how you did yeah. that. I mean, how did you pay uh, your bills while you were in school? Yeah, so, well, I was in school before we actually separated homes. Okay. So there was a period where we were separated but still figuring out who was going where next. Okay. Um, and so I, um, we all still lived under one roof while I went to school okay. um, and I did the birth circle. And it was really, really hard, you know? I mean, having two small children, Lola was breastfeeding still and I'm a big believer in attachment parenting. So not only was she breastfed, but she was breastfed on demand. My children, um, I bed share, I bed shared at that point with my mm -hmm. children. And so there, it was just, attachment parenting small children is so labor intensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then nursing school I took so seriously. It wasn't like my English degree. With nursing mm. school I felt like I had, I had to understand and learn right. every little bit. Right, right. And, um, kind of matters, huh? Yeah, when yeah, you're dealing with your patients, kind yeah, of kinda. to know yeah. what you're doing. Plus it was a whole new ball game, you right. know? I, it was just so, so new for me. Yeah. So most so of my they, studying happened while they were asleep. I, that's what I, was I have a ask. multitude of pictures where I'm in bed with a, I have a headlamp on shining down on my notes and there's like a little foot come like yeah. in from the side oh as they've my. like flung a limb over me or, yeah. I mean, even if I was throwing one of them in the bathtub, I was like, okay, I've got 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I can sit here and do flashcards or whatever. And yeah, I just- No downtime, right? No, zero downtime. Yeah. Mm -mm, no, not at all. And so I just had to like really hunker down and do it. And it was exhausting, but it was, um, I didn't perceive it as a choice. You know, right. I, had, I had to be able to be yeah. independent and care for my children on my own. So as you, yeah. Yeah. It's so huge. Yeah. <laughs> so as you got underway with your studies, were yeah. you, did you realize early on like, oh, this was an excellent choice. I'm really, really digging this. Or were there ever moments where you're like, I'm not so sure. I'm struggling to be engaged yeah. with this material. No, I kind of knew feel? as soon as I just, as soon as I thought of it, because there's so many kinds of nursing. You know, you think of nursing and you think of someone who works on like a med surge floor in a hospital or something like that. And that's not really how I'm wired. And, but there's all kinds of nursing, you know, there's people who do public health, there's desk jobs, hospital jobs. You can try out a kind of nursing and then decide it's not right for you and try something else. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I would find my niche. And I've always been um, a caretaker by nature. And mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoy, nurturing and helping and those sorts of things. So as soon as it occurred to me, I knew it would be a good fit. And it was, it was, Hawking was hard. I was, to give you some perspective, my youngest classmate was born the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I was yeah. totally way older than the vast majority of people. And I felt like I was in a new land going oh to Hawking for sure. And when I got there, when I started, but it was just, it was the path I needed to take. Yeah. And so I but just But that's just so inspiring yeah. that you did that. I did, so yeah. I hope some of our viewers find that. I mean, I can only imagine there, there's some out there. Yeah. And then maybe a similar situation where they're having to reinvent themselves. And mm -hmm. like, 
thinking I'm too old to go back to school oh, sure. or whatever. And oh, so, it was so here's crazy. a success story. Having to study all over again and you just turn on that part of my brain that had been off for so long. Yeah. And yeah. 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 And so, but school then you is went way on different now. For your BSN. I did, yep. So my, um, I started out, out of nursing school, I was hired right away as a labor and delivery nurse, which had been my, my two dream jobs were school nursing and labor and delivery, and I got them both. But um, the hospital requires that you have a BSN within five years of starting there. Ah, so then I got okay. my BSN through OU. Okay, so, and yeah. how long did that take then? Were there things well, from your I already previous had degree a that yeah, yeah. carried over? Mm -hmm, there were, so it was, okay. I think four or five semesters. Okay. Again, of part-time studying. Okay. So okay. it was a lot. I hope to never have to study anything again in my life wow. <laughs> that I don't choose to. Wow. It just was, it was a lot. Okay. Yeah. okay. So it's all very impressive. Oh, thanks. Very yeah. Truly. Yeah. It felt, you know, I mean, it was one of those, I mean, I did it because I was a, a mom. Yeah. You know, had I been operating as a, you know, flying solo, I don't know that I would have had the drive or the determination or whatever, but yeah. I felt like I have these little girls need me to figure out who I am and what I'm going to do, yeah. and I, you know, that gives you a a very distinct kind of motivation. It does. I think. It does. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to talk with you about today is um, the topic of sex education for elementary school age children. Um, I think back to when I was in school, we didn't touch that topic. I don't even remember talking about it in middle school. Yeah. But we're in a different world these days. Yeah. And you have expertise in this area. That's something you've studied as well. And so I just thought it would be a very interesting topic and timely yeah. for me. I'll admit yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in this to know how to better deal with this with my own kids who are in first and fourth grade mm -hmm. currently. So I'm not even sure where to start, though. Um, maybe tell me what you know how things stand today and where you as a mom would like to see things go. Yeah, well, well I'd like to see it go a... really far. <laughs> no, the more I learn, the more I'm like, man, there's no end to what needs to be done, and really, this in this regard. Of, this interest come about for you after you became a school nurse and learned mm -hmm. some things through some of your training? Or was this because of some things that your older daughter, daughter Essie, was coming home and telling you what's happening um, at school? Well, I think so. Birth was always an interest of mine. I, when I was 10, I saw, was there um, and saw my little sister be born. Wow. And my mom, who's, you know, five, six, maybe on a good day. I don't know. I hope that's how tall she is. Yeah. But she's a short woman, you know, gave birth to a 10 and a half pound baby in front of my eyes with no interventions of any sort, wow. no drugs, no tearing. And, um, wow. and I witnessed that. And in my mind, birth, that meant birth was really natural and normal. Um, and so then when I had children and was running the birth circle, it, I became very clear how that's not the picture we are sold typically in our society. You know, birth mm -hmm. has become very medicalized. And yeah. so I had started thinking about that many years ago. Um, and then um, Essie, my elder daughter, is an inquisitive soul, let's just say. Okay. <laughs> she has put me on the spot so many times about reproduction and bodies. And so with her, in order to te be prepared for the questions, she would just literally just, she one day across 
the breakfast table, looks at me, makes that like laser beam eye contact and says, today's the day you're going to tell me how the sperm meets the egg. She was wow. four. She was she four. Was four. And I'd been like circumventing the actual yeah. conversational time. And so she just, she just, she wants information. And as soon as she gets the information, she moves on. Okay. But in order to parent her, this inquisitive, bold kid, I had to start reading about how do you talk to kids about these things. Mm -hmm. um, and then that sort of, through the reading online and articles, I was realizing, man, so similar to birth, we in this society aren't really taught as, uh, about sexuality and bodies and all that as normal and natural. It's sort of a taboo subject. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that got me thinking. And then I started in school nursing um, and realized that what was currently being done in our current district, um, it just didn't seem like enough to me. Yeah. Um, teaching only female-bodied people about female bodies and only male-bodied people about male bodies, and that didn't seem right to me. Um, and then I read a book that changed everything called Girls and Sex by Peggy Orenstein. Have you read okay. that book? I have not. Oh, man. Go get it. I think I will now. Yeah, it's, um, I think it came out a couple of years ago, two, maybe three. Um, and she talks a lot about how kids aren't really having sex younger necessarily, but the nature of, the, of sexuality and the sex that they are having is so heavily, if not totally, influenced by pornography, that it's really changing what it means to be a sexual being in this day and age. Because, yeah. essentially, so we're giving them no sex ed anymore. Sex ed's gone way backwards in the last couple of decades. Wow, okay. You thought we didn't have anything. Now there's, like, nothing. Wow. And Ohio is the single only state in the entire nation with no, no health education standards. So you, not only do you not have to teach sex ed if you don't want to, but you can teach not medically accurate information if you want to. Wow. Yeah, it's really backwards. Wow. I know. I had no um, idea. Yeah, it's wild. So not only are we not oh. giving our kids sex education, but we're handing them the world on their phones. And if right. they are curious, you know, if you and I were curious about, I'll choose something random, oral sex, we would have learned about that from friends. And, you know, mm -hmm. right now they just type that in. And so then what they see is pornography. Yeah. And so, and this great article in the New York Times, this woman interviewed like 70,000 kids and average initial exposure to pornography is at age eight and oh. an average um, pornography addiction is well established by age 11. Oh my god! In children who have smartphones. So it's, I mean, this is where they're getting their information. And so it is very much changing what they, how they perceive themselves. And you know, I mean, and this book was especially geared towards girls or, um, female-bodied people, and about how, you know, pornography, there's not a lot of mutuality. There's not a lot of voice for women or any of that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. female-bodied people are, from the time they are young, growing up with this idea that there is subservience and it's about male pleasure and all of these really backwards ideas which are turning into violence and, you know, all kinds of really, really, really hard things. And I read this yeah. book and was like, oh, God. Wow! what are we going to do? And then having little girls at home that just hit so hard for me. I'm so very aware of how I, once we were, we went to the Apple store at Easton Columbus and we walked down just some outside row of stores and they all had a little billboard thingy out on the sidewalk, which was some woman in underwear or something like that. And they all look like they're 14 or 15 years old. Yeah. And just the images that my children are bombarded with constantly. And if I don't 
purposely and really intentionally tell them that their value comes from inside, yeah. they're not going to know that from just what they get in the world. You're right. You and so, so right. I was, so then I decided to start making some change <laughs> after I read all that right, book right. and was just so alarmed. But I don't, I mean, I don't have an education background or anything like that, but I'm, you mm. know, women's health and all that kind of stuff, so. Well, in, this, in school systems today, does that responsibility to provide that kind of education fall to teachers or to school nurses? Or is it a combination? Well, you know, the state of Ohio, each district can decide for themselves how to handle it. Okay. Um, so the district can have a health curriculum, but this is an area that's not enforced, you know, or monitored. So I can tell all the fourth grade teachers, go teach your students about reproductive anatomy, but nobody's following up, number one, to make sure they do that. Mm. Um, but number two, a lot of people aren't comfy with that, and I totally get yeah. that. This is not yeah. everybody's, you know, area of comfort. Right, right. <laughs> you know, just today I stood in front of fourth graders and was talking about testicles and penises and scrotum and all these little faces. Well, now how were, was that allowed? I mean, because our district approved it. Okay. So I, that's how I made that change. I gathered together, I got permission to look into this. Mm -hmm. um, and then I gathered together a group of community members who know what they're talking about because I don't, I didn't when I started, you know, like physicians and social workers and counselors and nice. started just questioning them about what their sort of dream sex ed curriculum would look like okay. and eventually whittled it down to what I personally could do. Because I think with sex ed, it isn't ideal to ask teachers to do it because um, just some people are just so uncomfy with it that, that it will be a disservice to the kid if they don't have someone who's enthusiastically and comfortable standing in front of them talking right. about nocturnal emissions. You know, like right, you right. want someone who's yeah. up there who feels can help normalize it instead yeah. of standing up there being embarrassed. So right. I think it depends right. school to school. I mean, our district, I just decided to do this and I'm just doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't, you and know, I, I don't know that. what I it could become. Wonderful. Yeah, I've been so, lucky that it's been so supported though. Yeah. You know. So you mentioned fourth graders. Yeah. Is that where through your committee work and the research that you've done, is that where you think it should, a formal sex ed component of a school curriculum should begin? I mean, if I were just dreaming, I would start sex ed in kindergarten. Okay. I might not call it that because a lot of parents would feel uncomfortable right. with that. But right. I think using proper terminology and um, you know, basic understanding of um, bodily autonomy needs to begin for sure in kindergarten. Okay. Um, and that would mean someone sitting down with them and, you know, talking about the difference between your vulva and your anus and your vagina, you know, these kinds yeah. of things. And yeah. there's, and yeah. a lot of kids are raised with, you know, the sort of nicknames for parts and that can be a disservice mm -hmm. to yep. them long term. Yep. So I would start young. I mean, I think the, the more it's talked about in factual, non-flustered ways earlier, yeah, the better off fact. the kids are gonna be. So if you, I mean, I, in my dream world, I'd start that right off right off the bat. And nothing mm -hmm. extensive, but just a couple yeah. of lessons, yeah. you know, to come in and just start yeah. talking about bodies. But then in, I think easily in, I mean, puberty's hitting kids quite early these days, you know? So I think starting what, to understand. You know, my son's fourth grade teacher, they had a parent orientation towards the beginning of the school year. And they said that they were noticing this year that it seemed as though their fourth grader, their fourth grade students were developing earlier. Mm -hmm. And so they were um, letting us know that they should be putting on deodorant and mm -hmm. showering daily <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I'm like, I'm not sure what 
to attribute that to? Do yeah. you know? I can't say that I have enough experience or perspective to really like talk about a trend or anything like that. But I know that in our district, when they originally started doing the puberty talk in fifth grade, they were trying to preempt it. And now we're having to move it to fourth in order to preempt it, you know, like to get the kids the information before, before it totally it hits so yeah. that they're prepared and don't feel, you know, caught off guard. Right, so right. I do know fourth grade teachers throughout the district call me a lot and say, our classrooms are so stinky. Can you please come talk to these children about wow. bathing and hygiene? And so that's what I, I built into the fourth grade curriculum. It's going to be a basic introduction to puberty and then hygiene and then consent. Yeah. So yeah. it's. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have, you know, there are plenty of fourth, fifth graders getting their periods. And yeah, so I don't uh, know what to attribute that to. Grade? Yeah. I uh, mean, I say plenty, a, a small handful of children, but that still feels really significant to me because those are little kids, you know, yeah, fourth grade. Doesn't yeah. that feel like nine years old? And they are, I mean, I mean, they are literally still home playing with their Legos and all the stuff. Right. And then they've got to go handle having a period. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. So um, at home, what recommendations might you give to parents for broaching this subject? Are there books geared towards that age range? Mm -hmm. um, just simply having discussion? Are there things online that are helpful as guides for discussion? Yeah, I mean, all of that. So I would, there's, um, there's a great series of books. Um, it's not the stork is the name of the first one. Do you know that, that mm -hmm. book? Mm -hmm. It's not the stork. And then I don't rem they have them for age ranges. Um, but you can, I would recommend getting, I think it's not the stork is the first one. Um, and getting that book and then reading it in advance and maybe paper clipping together the pages your kid's not totally ready for yet. But it talks mm -hmm. about bodies and it is talks it about relationships. And you're meant to sit down and read. Yes, it's a, like a story. Yeah, it's got pictures okay. and co like drawings and comics and cartoons and little okay. characters that take you throughout. And it goes into sex and having babies and all of that. But it also, I didn't start with all of that. I started with just talking about bodies. And I think storybooks are a really great way for parents who feel like okay, I know I need to do this, but I have no idea how to say yeah. <laughs> what I want to say. I, yeah, I remember as a, a young child being at the kitchen table with my mom and she had just a piece of paper and a pencil and she was drawing yeah. out the uterus and the fallopian tubes and she was very matter of fact about it. And so mm -hmm. I was like, no big deal learning about it. Mm -hmm. And that, that worked. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose I could just, you know, go old fashioned and, and go that route. But yeah, sure. There, I was just wondering if you had particular yeah. materials to those books are so. great for to okay. actually talking about anatomy and such and then there's re really great there's a book called I think it's no means no there's great body boundary books and about like you don't have to hug your aunt Betty if you don't want to kind of books which are so important for littler kids and then I mean the moment they start either showing signs of puberty or I would say reaching around I don't know nine ten years old I mean puberty book there's great puberty books the American Medical Association has some good ones. American Girl Dolls has a couple, I think, oh. that I actually really liked. And they have some for boys and some for girls. Okay. And again, I would browse through it because some of them are pretty, um, like my when I gave Essie when she was 10, I gave her her first puberty book. And at first I was reading through it thinking, oh man, this is like they're, they have a little section on birth control. Like, ooh, this feels like so much more than I want my child to know. And then I thought, you know, why don't I give it to her? and say, you don't have to read this straight through. Why don't you just like 
piece through it. And at one point we were laying next to each other reading before bed and she turns to me and goes, does an 11 year old really need to learn about water-based lubricant? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> I was like, well, no, but file that away yeah. as information that you might have to pull up someday because it's not currently relevant, but maybe it will be. But I'm just thrilled that she can say that to me Yeah, and that yeah. that feels okay. I mean, if nothing else, establishing that you want to have or that you are available to have those kinds of conversations is really important. I mean, yeah. they the things they are hearing and seeing are so far beyond anything you and I saw or heard. Wow. You know, it takes one kid who has watched pornography to go on the playground and talk about this yeah. thing they saw that is going to immediately skew all ideas wow. about bodies and value and that kind wow. of stuff. So I just, yeah, arming so them earlier. Are you learning this because you're on the school grounds on a regular basis and you're <laughs> hearing this all, you know or in the hallways or whatever or is this because your kids are coming home and telling you guess what so-and-so said on the playground yeah. today mom my kids don't really come home so much with that kind of stuff but i i mean through i think it's probably mostly th because i go to all the schools so it's mostly through my work with the older girls specifically that i'm learning about misconceptions they have or total areas, total lack of knowledge in some areas, okay. and that those sorts of things. And then just reading, you know, I do a lot of reading about this and I'm hearing other sex educators' stories about things they are asked okay. about or told. But okay. yeah, I mean, there's, I feel like, uh, at least I don't work as much with the um, male students at the high school, but with the female students, um, if I'm doing like a presentation for the Women and Gender Studies Club, for example, it is clear to me the difference between the kids whose parents have been talking with them and the kids who haven't. Okay. And they're all in there together and asking super brave and amazing questions, which is great. But, you know, I think it's there's a difference between those who are having to self-educate and those who have had a parent come and been like, listen, mm -hmm. here are the actual facts here are my concerns you know and this is the yeah. stuff to look out for in the real world okay. and all right. yeah wow. yeah it's all it's it's really intense yeah i know and i <laughs> i had never thought about having these conversations yet because it just feels like my kids are not old enough yet mm -hmm. that i needed to until i read the article in the newspaper about what you were proposing um, for changes in the school curriculum i'm like oh maybe I think it's time that I start having this mm -hmm. conversation with my kids, or especially my son, since yeah. he's the older of the two. Um, so yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to hop good. on it. Yeah, but, well, yeah. and I think I had another friend recently who has a daughter. Daughters, I think, in fourth or third, and they. She was starting to think maybe she had. It was she was starting late and was worried she hadn't said enough, and so I recommended that book, and they okay. sat down with their daughters, and one of the daughters was like, "Give me more information," and the other one was all embarrassed, and but she said it started a good conversations that were able to sort of unfold at each daughter's specific pace of yeah. their comfort, you know, over time, and yeah. I think I don't think it's too late to ever just you can sit down and yeah. you can even say. This makes me nervous because nobody talked to me about this openly when I was little, but I want to change that in how I parent you. You know, yeah. I'm going to make this change with you. And it's so cool to acknowledge that with your kid right up front. Like, yeah. I'm not necessarily comfy with this either, but this is important. Yeah. And it's for body safety, too. You know, I mean, a yeah. kid does not know the difference between safe and unsafe touch if someone has not told them. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So.
Well, yeah. so so far, my son, anytime sex, he knows what sex is now, but when it comes, whenever it has come up, and I can't even think of how or why, um, but there have been these brief moments, and his reaction still, he's still young enough that it's, ew. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so. that way for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, years and years. <laughs> from my experience, at least when they're hearing it from me in the schools, yeah. There's a lot of ew and giggling, and, and I always yeah. say it's cool. I mean, I, this is, it, intellectual discomfort is fine by me in this situation. You've not heard this before. You need to get your giggles out. That fi- that's fine, but then yeah. take a deep breath and pull it together because you need this information. No. Yeah. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. This has been great. Yeah. So again. one thing I, I um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's actually kind of related because we've been talking about education. Um, I like to try and educate viewers with um, through my guests by having them provide some sort of insight or piece of advice that they or you have found to be particularly wonderful and you think mm. it would be great for other moms to know. And it doesn't have to be about sex education, just about yeah. being a mom in general. And so mm. I always explain this could be something that you've just learned through trial and error or that some wise parent, when you were a new parent, shared with you and, you're, and you've always remembered that, like, yeah, that's been an excellent piece. Yeah. So is anything springing to mind that you'd like to share? Yeah, so I went through a sort of a little mini personal revolution. So. I, I don't know, at some point I heard the Eleanor Roosevelt quote about, at the end of the day, the only thing you actually give your kids is your own state of being. That we can do all this other stuff for our kids, you know, and provide these homes and these material things and opportunities and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, what they are going to take away from the gazillions of efforts that we make the gaz- I mean, constant, right? right. Exhausting yeah. effort to like yeah. create these childhoods for them. Yes. At the end of the day, the main thing they are taking away from that is how they see us live. And so at first I was like, oh, okay, that makes me feel better. And then I started to feel like, oh, I have to get everything right. Oh. <laughs> like, if my kids are watching me that closely, I'm go- I have to like, I have to do such a good job at all things. And then that got me into a sort of maniacal state of trying to, um, just do too much too well. Right. And so now I am, it's, it's hard for me, but I try to, like, as something as simple as let things be messy. Like, be, be fallible. Like, make mistakes. Make big mistakes and let them know all about it. Mm. <laughs> or like, you know, there, there are, I'm, I'm vegan, you know, but there are those days where I'm like, we're having popcorn for dinner because I can't cook. I just don't have it in. I mean, I could, but it's a better thing to sometimes just let it go lower the bar. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, if I am striving to like set this example of accomplishment and being a strong woman and being independent and doing that all the time, I'm not showing them a whole lot about self-care. I'm not showing them a lot about being gentle with myself and being forgiving and those kinds of things. And so I try, I'm trying to um, just I so do get a it. little, yeah, I so like just do a little worse at that. some, at the, the I don't whole mean thing just, of like I know letting that things that also go sounds, and not yes. ta- try to be amazing all the time yes. for my kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and just, yeah. it's okay. And it's okay to cry because money's short and it's okay to, you know, it's okay to slam down the laundry because I'm tired of having to carry it up and down the stairs. <laughs> and it's, 
it's okay for me to get upset at them when they are being obnoxious and I'm tired and I can later say to them, listen, I wish I had said that differently. You I know, do that like, all the time. Yeah. I'm good about apologizing uh, yeah. when I lose my cool, right. like just very shortly thereafter, I always apologize. You're like, it's okay, mom, we get well, it. That's, I'm like, oh, that's what that's I'm <laughs> saying too. Like that's the better thing for them to take away is not that my mom worked so hard all the time that she accomplished all of this stuff. It's more that my mom enjoyed her work and made a difference in people's lives. And then she sat down with us and got muddy in the rain, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah. hard though. It's a hard balance. I, can, I mean, and I can say all that and then I'm going to go home and be upset that there's dirty dishes in the sink, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just constant. It's it is, constant. It is constant. Mm -hmm. But you know, I take heart hearing, hearing you say this because it's like just having that knowledge that other moms are going through the same thing. It just helps. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, Helps that's the only way to survive out motherhood, I think. It, all yeah. doing it It can be together. so isolating too with yeah. the, just the whole idea that, I don't know, of my, how motherhood is supposed to look is so unlike reality, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all think we're getting it wrong, but actually we're all exactly like each other. No, <laughs> but you know what I mean, we're all yeah. in a similar sort of mess, yeah. but yeah. Yep. And love your, own, your babies your own way. I got a lot of, yeah. And I, I didn't get, uh, that's not true. I didn't get a lot of pushback for um, attachment parenting, but through hearing other people talk about it, there's a lot of people are critical of each other yeah. in a way that makes me nuts, right? right? I mean, how can you possibly have any idea what's right for someone else's family? So just hush up and yes. just yes. be your own kind of yeah. parent. I don't know. Yeah. Right? Well, I think maybe with that, yeah. We'll wrap it up, and I okay. so appreciate you sure, yeah. being here today. Well, thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, this has been great. Good. And for those of you out there, thank you for watching, and um, stay tuned for another episode coming soon.